0: All right, welcome to this special edition of ASEP's So What? The Foam Skeptics Podcast. We are joined today by Dr. Louis Profeta. He is an emergency physician at St. Vincent's Hospital of Indianapolis, a clinical instructor of emergency medicine at Indiana University and Marion University Schools of Medicine. Uh, Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. And uh, for those of you out there that can't see, we are recording live today at Indiana ASEP's annual conference for 2018. So we do have a a live studio audience, if you will. Uh, They've been a rowdy bunch all morning, so hopefully they'll stay a little under control, keep the cuss words to a minimum, and don't throw any fruit because no one can see. Um, But anyway, what we always start out with in this podcast is a little bit of a case, and I know that you're a pretty outspoken guy. You've you've, um, published quite a bit, uh, a really nice article about uh, going to give a talk to uh, your son's fraternity and uh, talking about the risks to, to college kids. So, you get a call from one of your uh, colleagues, and he says, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a bit of trouble. I was, uh, I was at a rally uh, this weekend, and a reporter came up and was talking to me. I identified myself as working at St. Vincent's, and now uh, I've got to go meet with the director. They're, they're not happy. What do you say to them? I mean, what, what, what happens when, when
1: that bleeds over? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, obviously, I don't know the specifics of the detail uh, hypothetically, um, but those are all issues that you sort of have to pick your poison. You have to anticipate that stuff going into it. When I, when I write for social media, when I write for LinkedIn, when I pick my topics, I'm, I'm sort of asking myself when I go to these events or when I go to talk, is this uh, contradicts or maybe is it, is it in conflict with maybe the core values of my group or is it in conflict with the core values of the hospital in which I'm working at? Um, And so you have to sort of pick your poison. You have to uh, recognize that you're not only representing yourself as an individual, but if you're putting yourself out there in the public sector, then you're representing your group and you're representing your hospital system. So those are things you have to be aware of beforehand.
0: Do we have the right, though, as physicians to get involved in in politics or in social activism? I mean, if you don't identify yourself as a member of of a particular hospital if i just say hey look i'm I'm howie mel regular guy and i believe in x y or z does the hospital have the right to come at me and say that's it you're you're fired your values are different than
1: my, ours it, it depends what state you live in in our state <laughs> yeah i mean it's a fire at will state and um i mean we we throw this stuff and we talk about this stuff all the time on tv where where does the right for free speech you know conflict with your right as an individual or your responsibility as, as an employer or an employee. And um, obviously, you know, they can come in conflict. Yeah, you have the right to say whatever you want, but does your employer have the right to fire you? Yeah, they probably have the right to fire you too. So you have to say to yourself how important is whatever issue you're you're talking about. Is it to you?
0: So when you go out and you've you've given, you know, as you point out, you've, you've got a couple of really nice uh, pieces in, in on LinkedIn. You have a, a really good book. Um, have you ever been asked to tone it down? I mean, you're you're a plain-spoken <laughs> guy. I, I mean, if you if you go to your to your writings, and I would encourage people to take to take a look. Uh, it's it's uh, LewisMProfeta.com, right?
1: Well, uh, yeah, com. You can look up my writings. Um, but I write for LinkedIn, for Pulse Magazine, for for LinkedIn, and um, I think my. My articles have been read somewhere like 15, 20 million times in the last few years. So I got a fairly big following, about sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 people. But you know, when I was in residency, yeah, it got me in trouble. In fact, if you know, Abby Wilson or Paul Paris are listening to this podcast, they're probably going to have a heart attack right now. Um, but in as an attending, as I got out into to the real world, our hospital system has been unbelievably... Um, supportive of my writing in fact you know our ceo of ascension health and ceo of the hospitals are follow me you know uh and comment on my pieces they will retweet them they'll post them on their facebook pages and their linkedin pages so the the feedback and the support i've gotten from the hospital has been incredible
0: have they ever asked you to toned down some of the language or nope uh some of the topics nope would you
1: nope <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> no uh, but it, it's funny, universities um, occasionally will ask me to do that because a lot of my uh, the talk that I have about a Sunday talk on sex, drugs, drinking, and dying, I'll go out to these universities and we'll talk with college kids about drugs and alcohol. But the, the way I do it is a complete sort of paradigm shift. It's very violent, in-your-face, taking them through what it's like to tell their parents that they've been killed, and there's a lot of obscenities in it. There's a lot of sort of, you know... Um, you know discussions along that lines, and some of that stuff is offensive to um, um, to college kids, especially nowadays You've got a lot of people that have a lot of uh, sensitivities you have to be uh, in tune to me I choose not to so
0: if if you were going to give advice to a to a colleague to a younger colleague a, a new grad or even a, a late resident in terms of hey they want to start um, blogging or podcasting or or tweeting, or whatever it may be, do you do you advise them to go talk to the, the hospital first? No. To, okay.
1: No way. I mean, the old old adage about bitter ask forgiveness than permission. Come on, the hospital's going to tell you no. Um, but you 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 don't want to just write to be controversial. You don't want to just throw out stuff out there to get a rise out of people. That that I don't think that should be our responsibility. If if you want to get you know, social activism out there um, and use your position to sort of change the world, make it better, that's one thing. If you just want to be a troublemaker, that's an- another thing altogether. Um, but I tell people, uh, social media, let me tell you, is king. It is king. When you look at things, for example, like Jimmy Kimmel's um, uh, video on on vaccines, you don't think that had a bigger impact on society than anything the American College of Pediatrics Puts out, or if you look at some of the stuff that Z Dog does, you don't think that has a, a, a bigger impact on people's perception of the emergency department than anything that ASAP or SAM pull, puts out? Absolutely, it does. Social media is—you know—if you're talking about reaching the general population, that is, is king. And I encourage you to utilize that. I, mean, I got 70,000 followers on LinkedIn and Facebook and, and Twitter. I got more followers than all of Ascension Health. It's funny you mention that because the way I actually got started tweeting was
0: uh, the director of um, operations, director of VP, when I was a, a chair back in Ohio. Uh, we were in the shadow of the Cleveland Clinic, which has a very big Twitter following. And I said to our uh, to our PR folks, I "said you gotta, we gotta start having a Twitter account. We gotta start doing something other than posting out these BS uh, ED wait times, which is what they used to do every two hours. They would post the same thing: we have five minute wait time. Didn't matter what time of the day it was, five minute wait time." That was that was the entire feed, right? I said you got to do something different. He said, "No, no one's going to follow us. They all are going to follow the Cleveland Clinic." I said, "No, if you put something out, people will follow you." So we made a bet. I bet him that in six months I could have a bigger following than uh, than the hospital did. It took me four.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um,
0: and, and so you know, while I don't have seventy thousand, you know, certainly have a, a segment. But I an interesting thing happen, and, and the reason I bring up this this question of what do you advise a younger colleague is we there was a resident and and uh, I, I'm. I know he'll recognize himself, but I won't, won't put any, anything to it. But when the events happened last year with the, the takeover of, of Summa Health, and there was a lot of consternation, a lot of angst amongst a lot of different people, and there was a, a lot being said by both sides, uh, there was a resident who put out a tweet that was a very legitimate point. Um, it was just roughly akin to uh, what is being done to protect the residents. Now, this was a, a resident who wasn't from that program. And it was, a, it was a thing. Well, within a few minutes, his uh, Twitter feed is shut down, and he's answering to his program directors and, and everything else. And, and it became this kind of position of, um, you know, sometimes even when you're right, you're wrong. I mean, there was nothing, sure. nothing that he said that was offensive, but for a, a third-year resident to make a statement— was felt by their institution and not do it so how do you avoid that pitfall when you know you say don't just go out there to be controversial right if i write my actual feelings about tpa that's controversial at least according to genentech right because they're telling us that you know the new york times article is telling us this matter is settled and jerry hoffman's just a rabble rouser selling tapes um and if i believe what he believes i'm I'm igniting controversy, so you don't always know that you're igniting controversy. So how do you how do you avoid stepping in
1: that? How do you how do you avoid that landmine? Well, you don't. Um, you you have to again, you have to sort of pick your poison. Let me give you give you an example. I work at a, a Catholic institution. I'm not about to write an article about abortion, okay? Um, I'm not about to put my feelings about that subject matter out there. Why? Because I have a responsibility toward my hospital. Whether I have certain you know, feelings about that, but they've given me the platform in order to be, become a physician, so I want to um, make sure that some of my things that I write are, are sort of in line with their values. Um, a lot of that is trial and error. And I also see when you, you, you look at people that post on social media, if you have, an, if you have an, uh, a subject that is controversial, um, I think one of the best things to do is if you're going to write an article about it, you're going to post about it, or blog about it. Put it out there and leave it alone. It, it's sort of human nature when you get attacked by uh, for what you've written about to sort of then come back at whoever's you know responding to you, sort of the trolls in that in that feed. But if it's if it's something that has val- uh, value, or if it's um, or if the, society, the group as a whole or the population you're writing for as a whole uh, believes in it, they will come to your defense. Let them fight your battle for you. If you want to put that idea out there, put it out there, but then let everybody else weigh in and let them fight that battle. You just stay by, stay out of it, and l- sort of let it go from that point on. And I'll tell you, it works better that way.
0: I'll tell you, you never read the comments. Um, that's, that's always a bad thing. I I, I can remember I, one of the things I do on in addition to social media is I – I uh, serve on the PR committee for ASAP, and I've given a couple of different quotes. And at one point, I, I was uh, told that I apparently work for the company that makes EpiPens because I suggested it was probably a bad idea for people to try to make their own spring-loaded auto-injectors from parts. Some uh, uh, It was one of the tech blogs. I don't know if it was CNET or Wired or somebody wrote this whole article when, there was the, when they were getting really expensive. They said, hey, you can just go and you can get a syringe and you can get a spring out of a pen and you can you know get some legos and some other stuff you can build your own your own auto injector and i and somebody called us for comment and i said you know hey listen i i don't think it's a really good idea you know at the end of the day it's a life saving drug you probably want to make sure it's going to work you know all the rest and uh, the comments were amazing because apparently suggesting that this was a bad idea turned me into a shill for the company that makes uh, Epipens oh, it, so, so you know, there's so many
1: trolls out there in social media, and one of the things I always tell people to do is don 't write don't write on sites where the comments can be anonymous. make sure that if you 're writing for something, you know whether it 's LinkedIn or Facebook, make it so that whoever responds you know who they are let make them expose them to the public too uh, for what they are
0: um, now, what do you feel though about what if somebody has a, a an honest position that they but they socially know isn't the norm, right? There, there were uh, people who were at Charlottesville when uh, the, the, the uh, young lady was killed uh, counter-protesting. What if a colleague has white supremacist views? What if a colleague has um, violently anti-abortion or violently pro-choice views? Do we have the right as doctors to separate our professional lives from our... Um, from our personal lives? Do we have right. – can I, can I write as Howie Mel and leave off the doctor and expect to be left alone because no. I didn't take the platform?
1: No. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're going to put yourself out there, then that's who you are. I mean, if you're going to put yourself out there and write as a, a white supremacist and be an emergency physician at the same time, guess what? You're a white supremacist emergency physician. That becomes your persona. And, um, and don't think that's not going to have an impact in terms of when you take care of a patient that doesn't have, have those views. You don't think that that's not going weigh, to weigh on them. Those are risks that you have to take uh, it, or that you're, uh, you're going to, you know, take if you do that kind of stuff. You have to have a thick skin to do this kind of, this kind of work. You have to be willing to, you know, take the criticism. Um, but, again... You know, if that's your view, then that's your view. But don't expect it not to come back and bite you. Well, certainly not my view. We're just talking about the hypothetical side of life. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, you do have that short haircut Yeah, well, I'm
0: sorry. (laughs) Um, So I I guess the other other thing that I want to bring up when when we bring up that is, you know, you talk about remaining anonymous um, in terms of posting. One of the things that I would strongly advise anybody in the audience that's looking to get into this is don't try to be anonymous in your account. Because nobody is, right? There are any number of people that have gone on social media, various outlets, and have created a persona, have uh, used a a funny name, uh, you know, uh, any number of, uh, especially in Twitter where you're not required to give uh, your name publicly like you sort of are on Facebook now, and they've created, you know, Spaceman Spiff MD or whatever it might be, and They'll say, you know, it's not really me or whatever else. And and I got to tell you, you're going to get found out. It doesn't take long. There are a million errors that people make when they try Mm -hmm. to do this. So I would strongly urge anybody who's looking at doing this, don't. Because the other thing is I think what you said is very important. When we do go to, to blog or to write or to tweet or to do a podcast, for that matter, we take careful stock of what we're saying. And we're going to take careful stock of whether this meets with the values. And I think that there is a natural tendency. If you've not said anything controversial so no one has bothered to figure out who Dr. Pac-Man MD is, and you've been doing it for a year and all you've been basically saying is some routine stuff, and you've been fairly anonymous because nobody has cared enough to um, look at you, and then you put out... uh, some post whether it be political or edgy or super controversial you feel protected because you're behind that shield of anonymity and that shield will fall fast
1: absolutely and it's it's also amazing how um you know literally overnight i i wrote i've been writing i had written a book um the patient room nine says he's god some years ago and i um Wrote a throwaway, I wrote an article in a throwaway journal called Your Kid and My Kid Aren't Playing in the Pros. It was an article about um, you know, the, sort of that preoccupation with, with travel sports. And literally overnight, it was on just a throwaway magazine that you'd find uh, in the department store. And it wasn't even in the published print. It was in their online magazine. It had like 11 followers on their Facebook page. And a week later, it had been read 1.5 million times. And, and it's a great article, by the way. <laughs> thank you. But literally, because of that article, all of a sudden my book became a bestseller. So the power of social media is unbelievable. So you don't have to be published in, art, in journals like or magazines like Newsweek or the New York Times or anything like that. An op-ed piece in the New York Times is doing well if it gets 50,000 reads, an op-ed piece. Okay? My article on, on uh, drugs and alcohol in college students is 2.5 million reads right now. Okay, you're you're looking at numbers that are you know that are astronomical, and everybody here has the capability of doing that. If it's good, it's going to be shared. It's going to become viral. If it's good content. Well, I, mean, I
0: don't mean to scare anybody, but there is also the flip side of that same argument because there's there are a couple of examples that are pretty well known. Where I know there was one uh, it was a young lady who uh, got on a plane heading to South Africa and made a very racist joke about HIV on Twitter, and had like. 20 followers, right? And so she, she's basically writing to her friends. Well, it got picked up by the wrong person. And literally by the time she lands, which is eight hours later, and she's been incommunicado, she didn't she didn't get the, the Wi-Fi service on the plane. Um, it's been shared, tweeted, retweeted. They've outed her, vilified her. There's been multiple calls to her employer. She ends up fired, and she ends up gone um, and really kind of almost chased off of the planet. I mean, people were looking for her and threatening her and everything else. And this was in the span of eight hours. Now, mind you, it was sure. a, entirely the wrong thing to say, and I think she would even acknowledge it. Um, it, was, it was a gross, stupid, um, vile thing to have said. But, man, you know, she went from, from uh, somebody who you know, communicates with friends to the villain of the Internet in a heartbeat.
1: And this stuff has exponential growth. I mean, it is, it is, it is staggering to me. When I put – I'll write stuff, and I'll send it to my editor at LinkedIn, and I'll go – you know, I think this is going to have a million reads. And to watch it literally go on a screen at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and just watch it go one like, five likes, 20 likes, 100 likes, boom, boom, boom. And watch that exponential growth. is staggering. It's overwhelming. And the first time it happens to you, man, your, your heart is pounding outside your chest. You can't believe that that kind of – you can have that kind of sort of power, kind of um, – you know, and also responsibility with just simply writing a, a few words. So it is, social media, man, it is powerful stuff, and you just have to sort of be cognizant of what your responsibilities are and what your role is in it.
0: So, because so, we do have a big audience here, does anyone have any questions about social media and the role of, of uh, emergency physicians as social change agents, as uh, people who are going to be doing um, social media posting, whether it's full-on articles for LinkedIn or, or you know, uh, stuff for Twitter or Facebook. Um, are there any questions? So I'd sure hate to, to lose the opportunity here.
2: Do you think there's a role for teaching and sharing with other physicians about cases that you've had or if you keep them anonymous? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Oh, Absolutely. I'm learning more on EM Doc's blog on Facebook than any in any ASEP publication right now. Guy I probably shouldn't say that since I'm here, but... Um, I mean, aren't you? Yes. It, without a doubt, and I'll tell you something. I think that... Is, her, is it Kay Moody? Is that her name? Yeah. Yep. I think she's the most powerful pu- person in emergency medicine right now. Yeah. Okay? It's not the president of American College Emergency Physicians. It's K. Moody. Okay? It's Z. Dog. It's people that have that kind of following. Um, yeah, I think that we, you know, sort of the political structure of emergency medicine has not embraced those people as much as they should. Those are the most important people right now in emergency medicine.
0: He says as the president of ASAP walks in the room. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but, okay. but the it's serious but well and I think so I but I think the other thing that's interesting on cases um, and when you do teaching for cases, like I, I've actually adapted a lot of talks I give to residents to be literally tweets. Where I'll stand up and I'll have a, a whole Twitter background and I'll make my point about teaching, but then I'll I'll put back to the original source material, All right? If I'm going to make a statement, you know, I, I recently did a, a, a talk at uh, Wake Forest and discussing uh, drugs and uh, recreational drug use and cardiac effects, and I put up a, a an honest good as couple of articles that that said, hey, you know, marijuana is actually associated with some cardiac disease and you're at increased risk immediately after smoking marijuana of having a heart attack and i i didn't even get to put up the slide with the original source material before there were lots of people no you're full of it you know you're 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 the man trying to keep us all down and away from our weed but after you put but after you put the original source material on and you say here's here are the studies you, you can give back and you can and you can actually use it as a valid teaching methodology the the, the trick to it is to realize where your sources are right i think there's a big difference between just coming out and saying hey i had this and i did this versus hey i had this i saw this for the first time and oh by the way here's the article that i used to figure out what the heck i was going to do but along the same lines of teaching i will tell you that i have had cases rare but i've had cases where i've actually had to ask questions anonymously um to the internet because I have no idea what I was looking at. I know there was one that was on EM Docs recently, where uh, a patient had come by, and it was pretty obvious they'd been poisoned uh, by a rare coral that they had in their uh, fish tank. In their fish tank, and even the local poison control folks had no idea what to do. So this, this emergency physician posts it out, and within a number of, within a few minutes, we've got folks from Australia saying, "Oh yeah, we see that all the time. Here's what you do." Um, and so it's got validity not only in real time, but in teaching time. So I, I appreciate, you know, it, it's a medium. I think Twitter tends to lend itself more to that than, than say, LinkedIn. I think Twitter's probably the, the fastest, the most responsive, um, with Facebook coming a, a, a strong second. Any other questions? Seriously.
1: What's your most controversial article? Uh well, probably the, the kids in sports article. Um, you know, it, it was funny. That article was reprinted in the L.A. Times. It won the award from Society of Professional Journalism. It was one of the outstanding sports articles, I think, of 2014. But you had a whole bunch of parents out there that essentially said I was the antichrist for I- implying that their kids weren't going to go on to major league to be major league uh, athletes. Interestingly enough, I probably got 1,000 emails about that article. Uh, 95% of those emails were thanking me. And you know who those emails were from? Major League Baseball players, professional basketball players, D1 coaches and athletic directors, um, sports medicine physicians from all over all over the country. So, you know, again, you sort of have to pick your poison. But that was probably the most controversial article. Um, the other article that was a little controversial was... Um, these four words that may offend you may also just save you. It dealt with burnout in medicine. I got invited to speak at this conference in Columbia University, and I had the audacity of implying that medicine was just a job. I said it was just a job. I wrote an entire article about how it's just a job and that our lives are, are more important. Well, there were people there that insisted it's not just a job, that somehow their job was more important than... You know the janitors or the police officers or something like that. So yeah, that was a little controversial too um, in certain sections of society. Um, but that's part of the—I don't want to say part of the fun—but you know, if you believe something and you're passionate about it, put it out there. But don't again, don't write just to be controversial. I and mean, you can see people do that all the time. Where you go, you don't believe that stuff. Stephen A. Smith has made a living out of it on ESPN. The guy didn't believe three quarters of the stuff he says on SportsCenter, right?
0: has got a following? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how many people are on Twitter, by show of hands? How many people are on Facebook? How many people are on LinkedIn? So we're all using it, whether you're using it for this purpose or you're not, it's definitely influencing you. I mean, we know that from the, from the past election and all of the, the stuff. So make sure that you find those folks that, that represent you and, uh, and that you want to learn from and that you want to interact with and hold their feet to the fire and make sure they're not um, out there doing crazy stuff. But it's while there's a little cautionary tale here, I, I, I think both of us would, would express you should be out there and you should be talking because this is, this, is, this, is, uh, this is the water cooler now.
1: We have, we have an unbelievable amount of power unbelievable amount of cheddar, I should say, as emergency physicians, that we tremendously underutilize. The general population out there really respects us, and so if you have a platform, especially for public health or safety, um, you know, we had an issue in our city, unfortunately, you probably noticed the potholes in our our city, how bad they are. Well, again, because of the amount of people I have in terms of LinkedIn following, I write a, a quick article called The Pothole Politicians of Indianapolis, Five hours later, television stations are showing up in the emergency department doing a story uh, where I'm saying, hey, potholes are a public health issue, okay? Next day, they allocate $10 million to repair the potholes. <laughs> they do not want to hear from you guys. You guys are too smart. You know what's going on in society. So get out there. Use that voice. Use that cheddar, and Use that power to get out there and enact social change. Just don't start with vaccines.
0: Yeah. Just trust me.
1: Stay away from politics. Stay away from politics, stay away from lose vaccines. Those, those,
0: those two will, will, will get you more troll action than you ever want.
2: Um, one of the issues that's, that's coming up is, is the, you don't really have an amount with this. And so your public image is there. And whether you're on a closed Facebook site like Epinox, uh people have lost their jobs from posts on there. Um, you know your image. You know that mail cases. They people scour the things, get fake fake things become your friend. on there, scour the the worst picture of you having a glass of wine or whatever, and put it in, and blow it up in front of a jury. You know where do you see this? I, I know right now we all have our names there. Do you see value within a mercy of having an anonymous?
0: I don't, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but I don't, ha- I don't see the value of having an anonymous site for a couple of reasons. Number one, invariably you'll screw up if you're trying to maintain two sites, right? I mean, the guy was fired from Chrysler for putting out a tweet about uh, Detroit uh, making all the cars except no one there could drive, and he was actually tweeting it from the official Chrysler feed instead of from his personal feed. So if you try to maintain two feeds, you're going to, to get nailed, but if you're going to try to do it where you only have an anonymous feed, not only is there a strong likelihood that you can be found out? One of the people that was under in trouble in EM Docs was a, a, a guy named Chu Lee who publishes a lot. But when I'd first seen Chu Lee's stuff, I tried to figure out who he was. I had him in about five minutes. I know his name. I've actually been in email contact with him long before there was any trouble. And you can find people out, but more importantly, are you gonna seriously look at an attorney and say, no, I don't have any Facebook, I don't have any Twitter, at all because they're going to find three or four of your buddies to come in and testify that yeah he's always on twitter okay great give us your handle and when the judge tells you to give him your handle and it's drug seekers suck md (laughs) you're going to be hosed and you're going to believe that you're behind this veil of anonymity that you're not
1: it's there the internet's there social media's there it ain't going anywhere um, i not necessarily saying
2: that it has to be Twitter. Maybe it is, it, this is a question that has been proposed, and is, is to whether there's maybe a forum somewhere. And it wouldn't necessarily be there. It would be any kind of thing that you could sign in and ask questions and have it moderated.
1: Well, it already does exist. It's, uh, Pareto has been out uh, for years. It actually predated Facebook. And I think they have like 100,000 members, and that's all anonymous. Um, the thing is, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this because I, I have been involved in social media now for 25 years. Um, when, you, when you have anonymity, you create the a troll culture, okay? It, when you can hide behind the cloak of an, anonymity, you will say the most vile, God-awful things. You'll throw every, anything out there, and people do all the time. you don't believe, go back down and look at the articles like under Yahoo or under Google and see the comments. Okay, racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic, on and on and on. That is what you will have. So then you're going to have some um, self, uh, you know, styled, uh, you know, moderator. Every moderator has a, an axe to grind. Every moderator has a, an agenda. Okay, and the, and it'll it'll start to shift into what is there. Well, that is sort of aggressive, or that's microaggression, or that's this, and then. You have a breakdown. So if if people know who you are, you know, then you you just sort of maybe put out a primer on the pitfalls, or you know, have people like me out there telling you, hey, here's the mistakes you can make, here's how not to make
0: them. And I think that over time, you know, with due respect to the fact you've been doing this for 25 years, it's got a momentum now that you know the current generation. When you look at your scribes, your scribes they don't communicate any other way and i've seriously seen two scribes in the emergency room literally facebooking back and forth and they are no further away than you and i are and so the rules and the um the societal mores about this will catch up uh they have to because the the generations behind us have been raised with these devices in their hands and have been raised with these accounts and. And have a, a, a this, is, this is a primary means of communication for some of them. All right. I think we're over on time. So I will end it there. And thank you guys all very much for listening. And, thank you. And thank Great you for time. coming in. Good I'm time. I'm honored
1: to be the last uh, person in your uh, podcast. Oh, we can keep it going.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, I've always said that the best part about having your own podcast is that you always get the last word. And in this case, this will be the last, last word. ASEP's So What? The Foam Skeptics podcast is ceasing production. After a year, we have had a wonderful run, and we will hopefully be leaving all of our previous podcasts open and available wherever you have received them for at least a little while while they remain relevant. In the meantime, I'm going to be moving on to different podcasting adventures. I would very much like to thank Sue, uh, my editor, and Marta from ASAP Headquarters, as well as Dr. Baylitz and Dr. Clower for allowing me this opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. And remember, whether it's schadenfreude or saving lives, we've got the best job in the world. Thanks for listening, everybody.
2: Be well.